on this week's episode of Evolution of a Black Girl. I had CPS called on me. And finally, I was like, look, this is hard. Like people look at me as this young young black woman and no one's taking me seriously. If it's happening to me and I come from an educated family, then it's got to be happening to other people. So I decided with my 15 month old in tow to go back to school and major in biology with a minor in chemistry with the intention of going to medical school. But there are moments in life where you're going to have to stand up and say, no, this is where I belong. I belong here. This is what I need. And you got to give it to me. And um, she did. And fast forward years later in 1993, she became the first African-American president of the American Pediatric Association of that chapter, the same chapter. They did not want to acknowledge her nor accept her. Thank you for listening to Evolution of a Black Girl podcast, where we highlight Black women trailblazers and history makers past, present, and future. I'm your host, Morgan Ava McCoy-Harris, actress, author, filmmaker, and creator of award-winning one-woman show, Evolution of a Black Girl from the Slave House of the White House. If you receive some inspiration from today's podcast, please leave a review and let me know. I want to hear from you. Hey, everybody, it's Evolution of a Black Girl, and today we're going to talk about Dr. Natalia Tanner. Now, Dr. Tanner was the first African-American accepted into the University of Chicago's residency program in 1946. She was also the first African-American woman fellow of the American Pediatrics Association. Um, She is a daughter of a doctor and was a true trailblazer and pioneer Um, But she had to work hard. And I think that so often for us as Black women, there is that she felt this pressure. She's noted of saying that she felt like she had to work harder and be better than her white counterparts to be respected and to for people to know that she belonged where she was and deserved to be there. And so it's like that additional distress and pressure. But she rose above it. And she managed to not only make history, but also help a great deal of African-American youth and their parents. Um, But like I said, it was a lot of opposition she faced. One thing, though, that I think that um, I really learned from her story is that as it was a major feat to become one of the the first African-American women fellow of the American Pediatrics Association. And so when she moved to Detroit, she had to transfer her membership. And they were not trying to acknowledge the fact that she was an actual, you know, member of the African, of the American Pediatrics Association. And so they ignored her request to transfer membership and she would go to the meetings and like people want to talk to her. And so one day, nine months later, after trying to get accepted into the association in the middle of the meeting, um, she stands up. Right. And like calls everybody out on it. And the president at the time or one of the leaders, whoever was leading the conversation was like, oh, this is an applicant. And she says, no, I'm not an applicant. I'm a member and I am requesting a transfer. And when I read um, the quote of what she said, I got goosebumps because it reminded me of how a lot of times we have to stand up and say, no, I belong here. And so wherever we find ourselves, there are moments in in our life where people might try to ignore us or or discount us or not value us or think that, you know, maybe in business that we don't belong or in whatever whatever sector of the world that you're in. But there are moments in life where you're going to have to stand up and say, no, this is 
where I belong. I belong here. This is what I need. And you got to give it to me. And um, she did. And fast forward years later in 1993, she became the first African-American president of the American Pediatric Association of that chapter, the same chapter. They did not want to acknowledge her nor accept her. And so um, this Black Girl Magic of Dr. Natalia Tanner um, motivated and inspired me. One thing, though, too, and we're going to I'm going to let us listen into an interview that I had the privilege of doing with one of my favorite doctors, um, my favorite, one of my favorite pediatricians, Dr. Janet West, who actually was my my baby's uh, pediatrician when she was first born. Um, but I think it's so important. And one of the reasons why Dr. Tanner was fought so hard about being in uh, this space of medicine and fighting for children is that we know that even now, health equity is an issue, right? And so a lot of times people will look at the color of your skin or look at your you know, um, condition in life and judge you based on that and judge your care and determine the type of care that you get or your child gets as a result of what they believe about you. And so it's so important for us. And now as a new mom, I just began thinking about like how not only to advocate for myself, but also to advocate for my child and why it's important to have black pediatricians and specifically as a black woman, I remember my pediatrician. My parents were intentional about finding a pediatrician that was a woman, finding a pediatrician of color. Um, and Dr. Hill was her name and she would roll on roller skates. And she was like 26 years old, brilliant, the best pediatrician I could have had. And I wanted, because of Dr. Hill, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I never, I didn't become a doctor because I'm scared of blood, but I had this example, you know, but not only that from like having that, that example, but also having someone that believed me and believed my parents and didn't have these preconceived negative notions about who we were because she was like us. And so I just think that that is really important um, for children, you know, and for your parent, for you as parents to, to be able to have someone that sees you as a person, sees you as a patient um, and doesn't have all of these um these preconceived negative notions about who you are because of the color of your skin, because of, you know, preconceived prejudices that exist. And so, um, but I want us to take a listen to the interview that I had the privilege of doing with Dr. Janet West of RVA Baby. She's incredible, but she speaks specifically about her experience and why she went into pediatric care. So let's take a listen to that and we'll be back. Brought to you by Star Shoutout. Star Shoutouts are great for birthdays, holidays, or any special occasion. So choose your star and personalize your Star Shoutout today at starshoutout.com. And so RVA Baby is a high-touch, holistic, newborn pediatric care service. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, a board-certified lactation consultant, and I provide newborn care and coaching for families at home during their postpartum period. So it's not just pediatric care, but it's about how can mom and dad work together better? How can we incorporate those older siblings? What's the sleep environment look like? What's the house look like? So it's a lot more than just a pediatric visit at home. It's really about building relationship and helping families navigate that first two to three months of life, regardless of where that journey is taking them. So that's what we are. And that's exactly what um, she did for, for our family. 
Yeah. So there, there's probably children all over this country that have had them and families all over this country that have been blessed by you. But I, I would really, you know, want to know, and there might be some other people that are interested in knowing, what is your evolution story? Did you come out of the womb saying, I would be a doctor one day? How, how did you decide that this was the path for you? Because it's such a perfect fit. It really is. Listen, I came into this late, although prophetically, my mom was like, you're going to be in the medical field. She used to say that to me when I was in elementary school. But my favorite toy was my typewriter and my golden life was to write for Essence Magazine. <laughs> and when I graduated from high school, I was, I was heavily into the theater. So when I graduated from high school, my major was journalism with a minor in theater with a focus on stage production and lighting design. No, no medicine anywhere in that repertoire at all. Um, but interestingly enough, after my second year of college, funding was a problem. So I said, well, I think I'm going to go into the military to help pay for school. But then I met my husband and had a little girl and my little girl had a ton of health problems. She had reflux. She was having trouble gaining weight. And I went to four or five doctors and nobody believed me. They I was accused of not feeding my baby. I had CPS called on me. And finally, I was like, look, I, this is hard. Like people look at me at this young, as this young black woman and no one's taking me seriously. If it's happening to me and I come from an educated family, then it's got to be happening to other people. So I decided with my 15-month old in tow to go back to school and major in biology with a minor in chemistry with the intention of going to medical school. And that was the start of my journey. I am in tears. I never knew that that was the start of the journey. And um, wow, uh, goodness, I am so thankful that you took what could have been um, a really bad situation. And you said, I'm going to take this experience and I'm going to do something not only for my daughter and for myself, but for other women. Um, wow. Wow. So there's so much there. And I, I really, for anybody that's listening to this, I hope that you're as encouraged as I am to know that wherever you find yourself in life, because people might say, okay, when, once you become a mom, once you're married, you that dream of, you know, doing anything that would take a lot of time, that can't happen or it can't happen now at least, but you did it. Yeah. I, you know, I tell people all the time, and part of this is personality and temperament for me. I'm very, I'm not very risk averse. I'm not afraid to leap. Sometimes I leap too soon, um, but I'm not afraid to pivot and transition to something else. And I tell people all the time, it's never too late to say, okay, I don't want to do X anymore. I want to do Y. The time is going to go by anyway. You're still going to have a journey no matter where you're going. So even if the journey looks like a long road, it's okay to travel that long road. Because at the end of that long road, you're going to be able to look back and say, wow, I've come so far. Like, look at what I've done. So that's kind of my mantra. You're going to be on a journey. You pick the road, travel that road. Don't be afraid to switch roads if things don't look like they're panning out. That's good. Because like you said, the time is going to go by anyway. Wow. So... How was your, I'm really interested in how was that experience as a mom going into medical school? Um, how, how was that juggle and how did you find the time and balance? 
You know, the interesting thing is medical school is independent on where you go, but it's not as hard as people think it is. Um, when I started medical school, I had twins that were 15 months old and uh, my oldest was four um, when I got accepted. And when I started my job, my day job was to go to medical school. I took the kids to daycare or um, the twins were in Montessori school. I took the kids off to school. I went to school myself, sat through the didactics, which were only a half a day at the medical school I went to. And then the other half of the day was my study time. And then at the end of the day, at the end of my quote unquote nine, nine to five, I picked up my babies, took them home. We did activities. We did dinner. By the time we finished that, dad was home. Dad put the kids down for bed and off I went back to school to do like two to three hours of study in the library. And that's how we got through the first two years. And the last two years, it was, you know, hospital rotations and very long shifts. And that's where our family came together and supported us. So um, I have a brother-in-law and his wife in town, an uncle and an auntie in town, my mom, my in-laws, everybody just sort of came and surrounded us and supported us so that we could get through that last two years. Wow, that's beautiful, that system and the support. So, and and I think this is so relevant because we all need people, right, to help us in the pursuit of our dreams. And it might not, everyone's help and support looks different and everyone's tribe is different, but to be able to have some people that can help rally around you as you're pursuing your dreams is so important. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've accomplished nothing by myself. Every step of the way, there's been someone, someone, you know, who maybe was in my life for a short season or a family, but never did I do any of this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so we we give you your flowers and get flowers to those (laughs) who supported you being this trailblazer that you are. And you know, I when you spoke about your daughter and and um, that the doctors didn't believe you and even having CPS called on you, it really kind of triggered me to something that I I read about uh, a a woman that had a similar situation recently, and she's kind of nationally known. Um, she was an American Idol, um, not not a winner, but one of the contestants. And same thing, her her son was having some issues gaining weight. And she felt like she was definitely being discriminated against. And CPS was called on her as well. Um, and because she was still breastfeeding and, and he was about 15 months and wasn't doing solid. So I know for me as a new mom, it's always there's so much pressure because you want to you care so much about your baby. But these people that you might go to, they don't know how much you love your child. And and definitely as a mother of color. So what what words of how can we advocate for our children and what are for those that are African-American moms that have that concern, you know, what kind of words of advice can you give or share? Um, Before I share that, I will say, um, and this was divine intervention, the CPS worker that I was referred to was someone who went to my church. And she said, I know. Yeah. She said, this is nonsense. (laughs) So that, does not happen every day. But um, getting back to your question, I think a lot of people don't have, as a part of their birth plan, pediatric care. They don't think about where this baby's going to get care once the baby arrives. 
And so part of that is being diligent about finding out who in the community is going to be a good fit for your family. Um, I personally, and the data shows this too, if you have a provider that looks like you, you're more often to do better. And that's not, you know, a, a punch to racism or anything like that, but it's just about knowing the culture. And so, you know, having a relationship with somebody at the front end, if you can establish that, is going to be the best way to go. And for me, when I had my baby, I just went to the pediatrician the hospital referred me to. And that pediatrician's office was overrun and, you know, they just didn't have the time to really care for my needs, answer my questions. And so from there, it was like I was bouncing around from office to office until I finally found someone that I could have that relationship with. Um, so definitely do your due diligence. Don't be afraid to break up with a doctor if they're not a good fit. I encourage my moms of color, if you can, to find a physician of color. Um, all the data shows that the outcomes are better with that um, being the case. And again, that's just about knowing the culture and seeing people for who they are versus seeing someone for what they are. Does that make sense? Definitely. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So for those who are interested in saying, oh my goodness, she's amazing. How can I connect with her? I want my baby to be seen by Dr. West. How can someone follow you or, or contact you? The easiest way to contact me is to go to my website. Um, it's at myrvababy.com and just fill out the contact form. I have three service lines. So if you need lactation work, there's a form for that. Um, if you want ongoing pediatric care in my office, which I do have, it's just a typical primary care office, um, they can fill out the contact page on the website for that and the same thing for newborn care. And I can definitely attest to the newborn care as well as the lactation consultant. I was having a lot of issues and Dr. West really encouraged me and <laughs> Mercy is now 16 months as of yesterday and is still going strong. So thank you, Dr. West. <laughs> you are so welcome. <laughs> um, now, for any young lady or parent of a, a young lady who is interested in pursuing the medical field, do you have any words of advice um, for, for her? I would say stay the course. Don't be discouraged. It feels like a long road it's not as long as you think it is. And it's not as hard as you think it is. I think that we make things appear to be hard from the outside, um, but you don't, you don't have to be super smart, great in math, you know, that kind of stuff to be a physician. I think it's more the heart of the person that makes them a great physician. Woo, I... Love Dr. West, and I'm so glad that she had the she had the time for me to interview her and for us to hear a bit of her story. And there's so much that I feel like we can learn from Dr. West as well as Dr. Tanner. Dr. West, you know, most people say after a certain time, you got to give up on your dream or why dream again or why even try this new venture? But she didn't let the fact that she was married with three children to cause her to say, I can't be a doctor. I can't go to medical school. I can't, I can't, I can't. She figured out a way to have the support system that was necessary to fuel her dream so she could create 
something that not only benefited her children, but also benefited so many other children. And the same with Dr. Tanner. There are so many reasons why she could have said, you know, this is hard. They're ignoring me. They don't want me here. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to just, you know, do something different. But it was in her heart to advocate for children. It was in her heart to become this pediatrician. It was in her heart, even though she had uh, insurmountable obstacles that would any reason, it was so many reasons why she could have quit, why she could have just decided not to do it, but she continued to press. And so I, I hope that the takeaway from today's Evolution Black Girl podcast um, is not only from a from a medical side, how to advocate for yourself, but that is definitely an important, but also how to advocate for um, your dreams, how to advocate for what it is that you feel called to do. And know that it's never too late to dream. It's never too late to try. And if you have something in your heart and um, you have the capacity to try, please try not only for yourself, but for someone else. Dr. West, Dr. Tanner, these women pursued their dreams. And in the pursuit of their dreams, so many other people have been blessed and are being blessed now. So God bless you. Continue to get better each and every day. And remember, the evolution continues.